Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Valdanza Dutacchio. And this is Gennaro Clary. And it is Sunday, December the 19th. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. we got a lot to cover in today's podcast episode um, for City. Uh, some really big victories, uh, particularly for Napoli, for Inter, for Roma, finally conquering their 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 big mental block and taking three points from a big seven team. Uh, we had a little bit of controversy with the Champions League round of 16 draw. We'll talk about that. Uh, Europa League playoff draw. We'll talk about that as well for our three Italian teams. And we'll also talk about the Nations League draw for our Nazionale for 2023. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then we'll preview the final match day before the Christmas break. So a lot to talk about. But before we start, we want to thank Nick Cottis is joining us once again today. Nick, thanks so much for joining us again today. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right. So let's just jump right in. So the round of 16 for Champions League, they drew it. Ajax and Inter drew together. Juve, who did Juve get again in the first draw? Uh, it was uh, it was some nobody. It was some nobody. They got they got two favorable draws anyway. Yeah, I wasn't I can't remember, but it wasn't a bad draw. Yeah, but it doesn't matter now because Manchester United was in the wrong pot, so they decided they had to redraw the round of sixteen. So a little controversy there, and now Inter will be playing Liverpool in the round of sixteen. So Juliano, take me through that. Yeah, that's. As an Inter fan, that was my worst nightmare. This is the last team I wanted to get. Liverpool, for me, being one of the best two teams in uh, the world. Uh, yeah, it's a terrible matchup. Uh, they love to play against teams that play possession the way Inter does. And they have many weapons, whether it be Trent Alexander-Arnold off free kicks, Mo Salah on the counterattack. You know, they like to overload the right wing, lots of crosses into the box. They lead the Premier League for the most crosses into the box. They have the most goals in the Premier League. So Inter's hands defensively are going to be full. We're going to truly see if Simone Inzaghi has what it takes uh, tactically to go toe-to-toe with one of the best managers in Jurgen Klopp. And But there is a little bit of hope because if you look at Antonio Conte, what he did today in the Tottenham-Liverpool game, he totally exposed Liverpool's uh, defense. I mean, they did have a makeshift midfield, but at the end of the day, they still beat them by exposing Liverpool's main weaknesses, which is when their wingbacks pinch, they do the long ball into the uh, corner flags, and they created a ton of chances. Just the finishing was so poor for Tottenham today. Uh, but that's what Inter's going to have to do. They're going to have to move the ball quick. Any slow passes is going to get picked off in the middle with the, with the Liverpool's pressing game. And uh, the Barala card suspension in the last game is going to hurt a little bit but hopefully Simone Inzaghi he can get the balance of the team right in regards to the defensive aspect of the midfield and the attacking wingers uh he has to get that sorted uh for this big match but there is there's a there is hope they can be got at Liverpool oh for sure so are we writing off Liverpool are we writing off Inter here or does you're saying Inter has a chance I say it's it's 60-40 for Liverpool. So Liverpool, obviously, the favorites. Yeah. But you know what? It's a, I think it's great for Inter. If you're Inter, the reigning Serie A champions, they're currently first in the table in Serie A. Here's your real test. This is, this is one of the cream of the crops in the Champions League here in Europe. And if you're going to win the Champions League, you're going to eventually have to go through a team like Liverpool anyways. So here's and if, the... if they beat them, they're who's to say they're not legit? title contenders exactly so on the other hand on the other side 
Uh, we got Uver paired up with Villarreal. Nick, is Uver going to struggle against Villarreal, or is uh, is it going to be business as usual for Juve? Uh, to be honest, Juve got two very favorable, uh, very favorable draws uh, both times. Um, but I think, uh, I think the last two Champions Leagues, even with Ronaldo in it, they went down to these kind of B-League teams, if you would call them in the round of 16, you know, Porto and whatnot. Um, I don't think Villarreal is a Porto. Um, mm-hmm. I think Juve has it very favorable. I think uh, I think right now Juve is their, their worst enemy. Um, they're going to be thinking about when they step onto that field... But uh, Juve definitely is. Uh, I think they're going to overcome this first round. But they're 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 their wo- they're their own worst enemies. So I think they got it covered. But you know they can they can always implode too. It's just it's just Juve being Juve. Yeah, I don't see I don't see Juve slipping up against Villarreal. Villarreal are currently a mid-table team in La Liga, and Juve know that uh, the Scudetto is out of reach. So Champions League is the main focus this season. And uh, you'll bet that uh, with the no away goals now, you'll bet Juve will go in, probably tie, probably tie at Villarreal, and then they'll go home and they'll win their game at home. I think that's how it's going to go. That's going to be the Juve away. So I don't see a problem here with uh, Villarreal surprising Juventus at all. That's the Champions League for Italian teams. Let's move on to the Europa League. So we got three Italian teams in the in the playoff round for Europa League. We got Atalanta, Napoli, and Lazio. Uh, Lazio paired up with Porto. Napoli paired up with Barcelona, and Atalanta paired up with Olympiacos. So first and foremost, let's talk about Porto and Lazio. Uh, Porto, a thorn in Italian team sides, whether it's the Champions League or the Europa League in Europe in general. Uh, Porto has always been a thorn in Roma's side, has always been the bogey team that Roma can never get past through qualification or a knockout round. Uh, Porto taking out Juve of last year in the round of 16 for the Champions League. So do I think Porto is going to do the same with Lazio? You're damn right. I think I, I give Lazio no chance in this tie. Um, I don't think they're going to surprise anybody here. Uh, just with the way their form has been, uh, their 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 lack of depth. I just think it's going to be two and done for them. Uh, what do you guys think about this tie? I agree. I don't give Lazio a chance. I think Porto's too much to handle. They shut down Milan, no problem. So yeah. if they can shut down Milan, no problem. That's the other thing too, right? That's what they did in the group stage here. Yeah, so... it, was, it wasn't an issue. <laughs> it was, And that was when Milan was in form and they stopped them. So Lazio, there's, they have zero hope. Let's move on to the next one. Napoli, Barcelona. Okay, Giuliano, take me through this. Do we give Napoli any hope against Barcelona, even though Barcelona are in one of their worst phases in their club's history? Yeah, you do. This Barcelona team is weak, uh, even with new manager Xavi. He is struggling. They beat Elche 3-2. They've lost to Tidal Sassuna, lost to Bayern Munich. So they're a very inconsistent team. We know what Xavi likes to bring. It's possession ball, but they simply do not have the players. Uh, to play that system, the quality is not there. Napoli is one of the premier clubs in Italy right now, and they play full octane, lots of combination passes. I think they easily break down this Barcelona defense. Barcelona really too; they don't even have an attacking threat. Uh, so I give Napoli not an easy 
victory over the two legs, but they should come out, I'd say, with like a win and a draw over the two legs. I don't I just don't see where Barcelona threatens them unless they're missing Koulibaly and Oziman out to injury still. because uh, yeah. they do look weak when those two are gone, obviously. Uh, yeah. but if they're in there I'd give this easily to Napoli this time. Okay. And uh Nick. Yeah. Atalanta playing Olympiacos. We know you're very, very familiar with the Greek Super League. Does Olympiacos stand a chance against Atalanta? Yes, they do. In the Super League, Olympiacos is the Greek version of Juve. Um, they are the flag bearers of, uh, uh, of Greek soccer. Every year, you look at the Greek Super League. By December, Olympiacos has a z- big fat zero next to losses. And the rest of my team, uh, my team included, and the ones below them, are all just trying to make it interesting. So they have a really good attack in um, Yusuf El Arabi, who's sort of like a, a really good poacher, and uh, he pretty much shows up when needed. Uh, if you guys remember Valbuena, Valbuena, yep, uh, he plays uh, pretty much in the mid there on the wings, and uh, they got some uh, new upcoming uh, Greek mil- midfielders and strikers that play good. Uh, if, At- if Atalanta bottled it against v- uh, against Villarreal and Manchester, uh, you're going against the premier team in Greek soccer, and it's different than going from. I mean, I wouldn't rate uh, I wouldn't rate the Greek league super high, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd be more scared of uh, facing Olympiakos than I would a top team, let's say, of Sharif. No offense, to Sharif. Uh, Olympiacos also making a massive signing. Uh, they've uh, brought Costa Manolas home. So Costa Manolas is moving to, has already signed and will be with Olympiacos effective in January once the winter mercato opens up. Terrible signing. But he will not be able to play in this tournament because he's already played for Napoli in this yeah. in this tournament. So uh, I guess he's just going to see out the twilight of his career. He is. Back home. I think they have Socrates too on there. Yeah, on so it's where all the good defenders go when their careers well, up. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. So that's Europa League for you. We're not going to talk about Europa Conference League because Roma have the bye until the round of sixteen, which is great. And uh, which so let's just jump right into the Nations League, guys. So UEFA draws the Nations League for the top tier for League A, and Italy. La Nazionale for the 2023 season have been paired up with Hungary, Germany, and England. Guys, what are what are our thoughts on this? You know, to be honest, guys, I am not even focusing. Like, when do these games? When is the first game after the World Cup? Yeah, it's after the World Cup. So you Cup. know what? I just as much as I I'm kind of trying to get excited at this, I just can't. Like, I'm, I'm I understand that you know the group. It's pretty much the group of death. You know, England will be out for uh, England will be out for revenge. Germany always likes going at us, um, but I just I can't wrap my head around this tournament because I just am so worried about the last game Italy needs to play, the games Italy needs to play to qualify. Um, I think I'll worry about this Nations League as interesting as it is. I'll wait. I'll wait about it after uh, the World Cup qualifying. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you think about it, if Italy don't make the World Cup, this is the next time they'll feature in, and I quote, a major yeah. international tournament. Tournament stage. And, <laughs> yeah, and 
You bet they'll be out for blood. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a fan of this. I'm happy that we're going toe-to-toe with England, with Germany, with Hungary. Hungary, I'm not worried about at all. We will beat Hungary. Germany, they're really good, but they're in a rebuild at the end of the day. They're they're about four years. They're a full cycle away from being a contender, in my opinion. So I'm not worried about Germany. And we all know the history between Germany and Italy. We always have their number. The only time Germany has beaten us in a competitive game is in the quarterfinal matchup at Euro 2016, and it took them. We took them all the way into penalties. They've never beaten us in regulation in a competitive fixture. So we're gonna keep that record. And then as for England, these guys are pretenders. They're not contenders, in my opinion. This is a team that should have won the Euro. It was it was set out for them to win the Euro because they were by far the best team, uh, talent wise, and they couldn't get the job done. So you know what? To me, Italy's going to win this group, and I'm going to take it a little step further because I'm in such a good mood this weekend. And I'm going to say Roma wins, and you guys think <laughs> Italy. Holy. Italy will be going into this tournament as defending world, five-time World Cup champions. So what a what a way to you, what a statement that would be. Hold on, you you think Italy's going to win the World Cup? I'm in a good mood, Jules. I'm in a good mood. Belief pays off, and when it pays off, it it feels fantastic. It feels amazing. That Ro- so, that Roma Kool Aid is strong. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strong. Um, but before we jump into City, yeah, guys, I don't know if you heard about this article. So it's not from 2023, but I think it's from the next Nations League onwards. After this one, UEFA is working out a deal with Kamebol that all ten Kamebol teams will be participating in the. Next edition after this one, it's Nations League, and they will play all their games in Europe. What are our thoughts on this? This is this is just a flex move by UEFA because FIFA was uh, in talks about hosting the World Cup every two years. That's all this is. This is UEFA flexing their muscles, saying we have the power, uh, more pull than you do, FIFA. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. It would be ridiculous. It because it, it would devalue the World Cup. This would just be a, a power move by UEFA to to replace the World Cup. I mean, this would devalue all international football. So I don't like it. Um, and I think it's a poor move by UEFA. But it's just, for me, just a power move just to show who the big boys are in the footballing world. Yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts on this? All I'm going to say is the beautiful game was created by the poor and stolen and destroyed by the rich. That's all I want to say about that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, let's stop talking about international soccer. Stop talking about European international soccer. Let's talk about Calcio now. Let's talk about Serie. What a match day we had, guys! And it all started off with Lazio Genoa. We didn't give, and none of us gave Genoa a chance in this game, and we were right. Lazio three to one victors over Genoa. I mean, Pedro Acerbi, or yeah, well. Yeah, Pedro, yeah, Acerbi, and Zaccagni getting on the score sheet here. And then a small consolation goal for Filippo Meligoni. Are we surprised here? I don't think so. No, this Genoa team is horrendous once again. They, they, uh, Coppa Italia, they, they finally got a victory. Shevchenko got his yeah. first victory. I think this is his sixth game now. He only has the one win. Uh, this is another yeah. loss. They didn't get a shot on net, I don't think, until the second half. Yeah. Um, so once again, Shevchenko, I don't know 
what the game plan is here. They don't get shots. They don't create. They can see boatloads of goals. It Really, Shevchenko, what is the game plan? And it's not looking good. Lazio, no. Lazio was interesting. They, kind of, they went with a false nine. Felipe Anderson being slotted in. So there's no faith in Marici there at all uh, to start in the number nine position. Uh, which was kind of interesting to see the the change in tactics by Sadi. He had a little bit to say after the game with Felipe Anderson questioning his mentality. He has to be kind of uh, pampered, I guess, and and propped up because he has such a fragile mentality is pretty much what he said. Uh, that's why he's been so inconsistent in his career. But when he's on, he's one of the best players in the city. So that was kind of interesting to hear from uh, Sadi after the yeah. game. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think we need to give any more attention to this game. It was 3-1. to one. Uh, moving on to the next game, doesn't really need that much attention, but it was a massacre. Inter beating Salernitana five nothing. The champions always need attention. <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much played your starting lineup. <laughs> yeah, see, he he wasn't wrong. He uh, was playing. He had his Turkish coffees. And, That's uh, it. <laughs> what was that? It, chipped in i mean uh salernitana guys disaster they're they're in the media right now they're gonna probably they're gonna most likely be excluded from city as of january so yeah this game doesn't even matter it, it doesn't i mean this is another game stuff from Colituono, just like mazzari i don't know where these guys learn their coaching uh from because they again same lineup as inter man for man like what are you guys thinking you have no chance at beating yeah. inter and you go play the way they play the game it's it does not make sense i don't know what these guys are thinking what they're teaching <laughs> yeah <laughs> what they're teaching these managers but inter flexing their dominance oh they're the best team and they're the best team most informed the amount of goals yeah. they scored is ridiculous this is another uh, what four nothing last game, five nothing this game. It's ridiculous. The amount of goals we're scoring is ridiculous. Every game, as we go through, as we keep going, every game they keep getting better, and they are showing the gulf between them and the rest of Serie A. Like it is just, it's it's ludicrous. It is, and you know what we Tifosi Football Radio called it. Uh, they are winter champions. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's all there is to it. So that being said, let's move on to the next game. 9 a.m. Eastern time. I was up. Oh, I was up. I was texting Jules like a madman. Roma, 4-1 to victors over Atalanta. All I can say is finally. I'll ask you guys the questions. I'll ask you guys the questions so you can talk. Is Roma the real deal, or is this just the, is Roma the real deal, or is this just a one-off by by Mourinho beating Gasparini? Look, I'm gonna be very honest. Please don't please don't crap on our party, Jules. Okay, because we've been waiting <laughs> we've been waiting for this forever. Okay, how many? I mean, we couldn't beat anybody above us all last season. All this, and I mean, this wasn't like a one nothing, two to one win. Okay, it was four to one. Okay, so, but to your point, um. It's definitely a statement when to say we're in, in terms of not that we're coming to get the ones above us. It's that we are, we have something to build off here. And this can go on for as the games go on, as the transfer market rolls in. It's a statement when to say, hey guys, we're not as bad as everybody thinks we are. Okay. Now, saying that, 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm just happy to get like you know, Atalanta's a really tough team. I didn't think we'd go, you know, when it was two to one, and then you know they had that goal that was called off, and like, oh, here we go. But to get four to one, it was, it put some, it put some hope in, uh, in my in my team because, you know, it shows that we could be capable of great things if we just tweak some things. You know, they can get top four. Am I still saying? Am I still? Am I thinking now they're gonna make top four? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I still don't think we're going to be a top four team. Am I happy that we finally cracked our duck against beating someone above us in the top four by these many goals? Top seven. Yes, I am. Top seven. Sorry, top seven. By the top seven, by four to one. Yes, I'm very happy. Okay. Uh, I don't care how we got the win. I mean, you can look at the shots on goal. I don't think we had any corner kicks. Possession was like, what, 70-something to 20-something. Okay, it was a tip. You want to call Mourinho Park the bus and whatever. The only thing I got to say is that the chances that we took, we capitalized. We were in the right space. If this is the way we got to play, if we found a way to play, if it's, I don't care about attractive soccer. I'm not looking for bicycle kicks every every uh, every game. But I mean, if we're gonna play whatever you want to call it, parking the bus, ugly soccer, no possession, blah blah blah. But we're gonna grind out results, especially four to one against right now Atalanta at a top four team. I say I'm happy. Perfect, Christian. Okay, well, Christian, wow. wait, 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 I, there's, there's... wait, wait, wait. You've been giving Mourinho a lot of slack and Tammy Abraham. Now these are two guys that performed well in this match. Same, yep. same question. I want to know your feelings on the match and how it went. But I want your analysis of Tammy Abraham and Jose Mourinho, two guys you've been highly critical of. Well, well, Tammy. Tammy, I have to say, really impressed me in this game. He pushed that back line. I mean, we saw right in the first minute. I mean, it was a very, it was a very fortunate goal, but that was all Tammy. Like Tammy pushing that back line, he forced that blunder, and and it went in. And then, yeah, he's he gets set up beautifully on the second goal. I think he played. This was by far his best game. He's still got a long way to go for me. There's still a long way to go. There, there. Like I said, there's always going to be that forty million price tag for me. Um, but he's getting those goals now. It's it's finally, and I hope he can continue and carry that confidence going forward for the rest of the season. And if he can, then he was then he's worth it. Uh, Jose Mourinho. It looks like this is the one game out of the eighteen where the team actually bought into his system. I think I think Gasparini played the game right into Mourinho's hand. Did did everything that Mourinho wanted him and expected him to do. So I think Mourinho read him like a book. Uh, so I think it's more so on Gasparini and his lack of ability in these big matchups uh, than Jose Mourinho because Jose Mourinho read him like a book. Jose Mourinho played his game. Gasparini played his game. But when Atalanta plays a counterattacking team, they tend to struggle. So, But the one thing I do want to say about this game is this: this is the first time all season that the midfield showed up. So it goes to show you, like Jordan Vertu came out of nowhere this game. My God, like this guy's been in the wilderness since the first game against Fiorentina. He's been he's been god awful, and then he finally puts in a decent performance, two assists. Uh, Cristante, yes, getting the own goal. But when the midfield shows up and supports the defense, this goes to show you what Roma are capable of doing. And Nicolo Zaniolo getting his first goal in five hundred and something days. Uh, that's a huge, huge, huge weight off his shoulders. 
So he's going to be confident. But I've been I've been saying this since day one. Nicolo Zaniolo is not a winger. He is a guy that's either got to sit behind the striker, where I prefer him, or he plays side-by-side side with the striker. And look at the difference. He's he's actually playing a lot better side-by-side side with Tammy than he ever did on the wing. Um, Discipline-wise, he's disappointing me because he's picking up yellow cards. Like He's a walking yellow card. Um, Came off every injured, game. too, I believe. Uh, he did at the end, yeah. Um, but a lot of people forget. Right now, we don't have... Leonardo Spinazzola, who's one of our, who's one of our, you know, who's part of the spine of this team, and we don't have Lorenzo Pellegrini, who is still our top goal scorer on the in, on the on the club this season so far, and he hasn't played in a while. So when those two come back, and we're back to full full squad, I mean, this I think to me is a glimpse of what Roma can do. Now, are they going to be consistent and do this game in and game out? No. I already know that. They're not going to do this game in and game out. But it's a project. If they can build from this and go forward, it's huge. I mean, this is this is the first time we've beaten a top seven team in, what, two, three, three years? Yeah. And that's, hu- that's a huge mental barrier to overcome. You think – and they're, they're sky high now. They're, they're sky high in confidence-wise. And it just – And by four to one. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it just makes me – I was so happy after this game, but at the same time, it makes me rule those two games against Bologna and Venezia, because had we won those games, which are two games we should have won, we'd be in third place right now. So at the same time, I'm kind of like, oh my God, like, I'm so happy, but at the same time, we should be in third. We shouldn't be in, in like fifth, sixth Roma, Roma for the Scudetto. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't even put him in top four. Well, I'll t- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say... They're out of top four yet. That win was huge. They're only six points out of top four. And Atalanta could fall apart. So, I mean, we're seeing Milan fall apart. We're seeing, we're seeing them fall off the rails too. So, anybody can drop out of the top four. Yeah, it can happen. I know you guys have mentioned the score a couple of times. And I think that's the, being a neutral, that's the one thing I was impressed with the most with Jose Mourinho's side. It's he's known for taking a lead and sitting back and, and trying to shut up shop. And that's what he's, that's been his bread and butter for the past 20 years. Uh, so yeah. it was nice to see the team kept on attacking. That's what I was saying to myself. If Roma sit back in the second half and can see that second goal, they're in trouble, but yeah. they kept the foot on the gas and we almost, and they almost did. did. We it almost was, did. Uh, yeah, controversial offside. Controversial offside. It was controversial offside. But at least, but at least they didn't freeze point. and they kept attacking. That's something yeah. Roma, yeah. under Jose, it's been, you know, questionable. They've had the wrong mentality in these big games, and you got it right too, Gasparini. He's a bit of a bonehead. Let's just sort out there. He, this guy, does the same shit every weekend, and yeah. he's he, he right into Mourinho's head. And he's supposed to be a maestro and the, one of the best managers for what he's done. You know what? I think Gasparini, we're seeing major holes in his game, if you ask me to make this a little bit about the Atalanta too now, because it's the same excuses over and over again for this guy. Uh, the same mistakes he keeps making, but credit to Mourinho for keep for keeping the attacking momentum going and really giving yeah. it to Atalanta, because that is their weakness, is when you attack them, you can beat Atalanta. 
Oh, 100%. And you know and, and you know what, Jules? It, it wasn't even, like, it wasn't a crazy attack. I mean, possession was super low for Roma. Their shots were low. But they, man- but they uh, managed them. They managed digits. them in front of the... Yeah. But they managed them. The cre- the chances created were low. The, the but the, I mean the passing was horrible. Like accurate passing and everything like that, and the success rate. Like I'm just looking at the stats now. But the one thing that I know is that when they were in transition, they attacked heavily. Yeah, because they because Roma kept trying to and play they, that killer attacked. ball, right? That was the game plan. Expose Atalanta on the on the break, yeah. and that's why the that's on why the, the pass break, percentage yeah. was low because they kept aiming for the the gaps behind the defenders. But I mean, the one thing that I was impressed is that if they were to go forward, they were going forward with a yes, purpose. Yes, four or five guys. And they were going forward, they were going forward like to kill yes. and like to cut the, to create and take advantage of their chances. Right. And that's one thing I think, uh, I haven't seen in a very while and I like it. I agree. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We're very, very, very happy as Roma fans, but let's move on to the next game guys. Juve, 2 nothing win over Bologna. Are we surprised here? No. No, I'm not surprised because I, but the only thing I'm surprised is that, you know, these Juve games are not goal fests. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm looking at, like, okay, I'm not going to put uh, the Roma thing, but, I mean, if you look at top teams in Serie A, not so much uh, Napoli-Milan game, but, I mean, I mean, Inter, Inter is feasting. You know, uh, three, four, five goals. I mean, okay, Bologna's a little, a bit of a, a, a stubborn team, but I mean, Juve's not really, you know, um, taking teams to to the sword. You know, in terms of goals. You know, I mean, two nothing. It seems that this just uh, like they're still getting the job done, and I do expect Juve to climb that table a lot higher and to be out of the ones that are out of the top four to be successful into hitting the top four at the expense of someone else. But I'm just not impressed with the kind of... I mean, we all remember what... I mean, the, the role Quadrado, Quadrado was uh, brought into play is different from what he's being used for now. I mean, like, is the guy the leader of the, the most goals in Juve right now? Like, that's not what he's known for doing. Yeah, they they live and die by Quadrado. It's a, to me, it's a typical Max Allegri Juve. I mean, this... This Juve, like, if you look at their style of play under Max Allegri when he was last there, it's essentially the same. It's just the the teams that were going up against them, there was a mental barrier there, and the quality just wasn't there. Um, but now the quality's there. So to me, it's like it's it's the same Max Allegri approach um, in games against teams like Bologna, who choke at the at the opportunity to claim a scalp. Uh, they will always struggle against teams like that so for me i'm it's just yeah it's a routine win Juve's not going to go and blow out a team they're going to go they're going to win one nothing two to one two nothing that's it that that's a typical max allegri way to win the game so for me i'm i just see a lot more of this coming down the down the pipeline for them you know what for me this is uh yeah not impressive offensively Definitely, but defensively, they're showing that they're controlling games. You know, we just yeah. we just gave Roma a lot of credit for the way they managed uh, Atalanta, their attack. Juve did the same thing. Bologna carried around sixty percent of the possession, had the ball in their uh, their end the whole game, but Juve controlled them. They were never a threat, Bologna, to the opposing net, uh, and Juve were just more clinical on the other end, and that's how. 
Juve is going to get into the, the into the top four. And mark my words, they will be in the top four come the end of the year. Um, I agree. They're slowly waking up. That's what I don't like as an Inter fan because uh, they're, you know, they're our, our biggest challenge to the Scudetto. Maybe not this season, but they will be in, in uh, years to come for sure. But I think uh, everything has fallen into place for, for Juve. They're riding out this storm because now they're flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people are forgetting about them. So I think it's a right step for in the right direction for Juve. Big time. So 2 nothing win for Juve there. Now let's move on to a massacre. Udinese beating Cagliari 4 nothing. Can they just get rid of Walter Mazzari already? Like... The guy's got nothing. He's he's a terrible manager. I mean, I was giving him respect for what he accomplished at well, not what he accomplished at Inter, but what he you know what he tried to do at Inter, what he accomplished at Napoli. But it's just it's garbage. I mean, this is not a three-five-two team again with the tactics. This is all this guy knows. This is what he goes to. Uh, it's just it's amateur hour over here at Cagliari. It is so bad. It's it's a disaster. And this is a t- it's a train wreck. And yeah, and this was a team that was pushing for fifth place two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. So the drop off is unbelievable for them to be second last place now, thirty eight goals conceded. You know, Mazzotti's known as a defensive coach. He came and keep a clean sheet against Udine, who's one of the worst offensive teams in the league until uh, Chofi comes in and turns in, turns them into world beaters. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Mazzotti. Yeah, I agree. He's probably got to go because he's obviously shown that he's uh, he's not with the modern game anymore. No, he's done. He is absolutely done. Uh, so big three points for Udinese there. Let's move on to Sunday's games. Fiorentina, crucial draw with uh, Sassuolo here. Uh, Sassuolo, like I said, they make every game entertaining, don't they? Yes. And uh, that trident, Skamaka getting on the score sheet yet again. Yeah. Uh, manager, <laughs> I, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Dionisi, I think he made a big mistake taking off Skamak and Aspadori because after, <laughs> three minutes yeah. after, Berardi, I mean, uh, Berardi, Cristiano Beraghi got that red card for the second yellow. I mean, you have those two on the field, you probably win this game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a shame. You know, they did more so the last, you know, more so what they do every game. They take the lead and then they throw it away. So it's no surprise so swell on that end but I think question marks have to come again with Vicenzo Italiano consistency maybe over reliance on Dusan Navlahovic or goals yeah but yeah it was an entertaining game though in the end what did you guys think about this game I think I think it was a fair fair result I mean uh well so swallow went up two nothing and uh then Fiorentina came crawling back but uh I think uh I think I think you're seeing probably one of the two teams with the most entertaining uh football uh, at Serie A right now, obviously, other than Smash House, yeah, they score bo- uh, They score buckets of goals. Uh, these two kids. <clears throat> yeah, these 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 two guys are very entertaining. You know, you know that um, when you're watching one of these two teams, you're gonna get some goals, at least two each, uh, a game, especially so swallow. But I think it was a fair result for both of these guys. But very entertaining once again. Let's move on to the next game, guys. This game. I don't think anybody cared about it. Spezia Empoli won one. Hey, 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 I did because I've been I've been trying to get Empoli on a bit of a roll here, okay? I like an underdog Cinderella story. And I think out of the Serie B guys that came up from last week, these guys are punching well, way above the their weight. Champions, so they're doing they're doing very well. Uh but it was two own goals. 
that gets the one-one draw. Yeah. So Empoli, Nick. They, I mean, they haven't lost in a long time. So. Hey, yeah, we're good for them. You know, I think uh, they're not that bad. They're almost as good as Roma, bad, man. They're they're uh, <laughs> they're <laughs> almost. They're uh, well, they're four <laughs> points away from Juve. Yeah, they're just. They're sitting right? in ninth place right now. In the last five games, they've won three, drawn two. So that's uh, that's yeah. huge for them. That's huge for them. We'll see, we'll see what this we'll see what the yeah. second half has to Spets, offer. Yeah, on the other side, uh, does Thiago Mota last off? Does Thiago Mota last behind the bench here, or is he is he a goner? I think he lasts. You give him to the end of the season. If he gets out of uh, if he gets if he stays in City, sorry, then yeah, you keep him. Yeah, yeah, I'll okay. have to agree. So moving on to the Croatian derby, a little bit of a surprise here. Torino one nothing victors over Hellas Verona. Pobega, another guy that warrants a call up to the national team. The difference here in this game, I mean, uh, Hellas Verona getting a red card, Magnani in the twenty fifth minute. Stupid red. What a stupid red. And Sanabria sets up Tommaso the next minute. So. Yeah, this is back-to-back losses for Verona, Coppa Italia midweek, and then uh, yep. and then this match here. Maybe they are starting to slow down a bit. They did create a ton of chances. Vanya uh, Malikovic Savic was outstanding in that, so he had a, yep. a big reason why uh, there was no goals conceded. And I think that's the first game, first team where Hellas Verona has not scored a goal. So I think we have to give yeah. credit to Juric uh, for locking down this informed Verona team. Moving on to the Pentultimate game here. Sampdoria Venezia 1 1. Manolo Gabbiadini getting on the score sheet in the first minute from Chicho Caputo. And then Henry, three minutes to go in the game. Big, big, big goal set up by Antonio Vaca. Yeah, looking like Thierry Henry there <laughs> with that finish. <laughs> but th- this is Sampdoria. They're. They're a team that plays good in spurts. Can't close out a team over ninety minutes. They're yeah. just, that's them. They're a mid-table yeah. team. That's all they are. And credit to Paolo Zanetti, like getting it just he keeps getting the points that he needs to get. I mean, they're not the pre- like Venezia is not the prettiest team in Serie A, but if they just keep grinding and grinding and grinding, they're going to keep earning valuable points. And they're now seven points uh, ahead of safety, so it's it's huge for them. Must yeah. be those beautiful shirts. <laughs> you know what? They are. I, I ended up getting one. Worldwide. I got my hands on one, actually. I did. Oh, yeah. Okay. I swear to God, I did. I, so did I. I got mine. When, I got the black one when it I first got it. Came I got out. it. I it's, in my, it's in my drawer right now. But uh, oh. Venezia, Woo. yeah, believe it or not, Paolo Zanetti, it's, it's simple. You know what he does? He plays fast guys on the wings who get in behind the defenders. <laughs> what a groundbreaking tactic that is. That's how he plays. He plays with pace, something the Italian teams don't do. Italian teams, they like to play slow, uh, play in front of the opposition. They don't really get him behind. Uh, and he plays a fast, kind of in-your-face style of football, hard tacking, hard defensive uh, midfielders. And it's very simple, but it's effective in this league. Uh, yeah. And you got to give him credit for seeing these weaknesses that maybe City A teams uh, are showing in the way they yeah. set up their There's teams. A- there's a reason why Sassuolo wanted him, right? Like Sassuolo, he was on Sass, before Dionisi. Sassuolo made the offer to Zanetti, and instead of Zanetti going to Sassuolo, he decided to sign an extension with Venezia because yeah. they're a team that instilled belief in him. So yeah, and he fits that. It's a good story. He fits the Sassuolo 
philosophy. That's how they like to play. Speed, get them behind. Yeah. A little bit more intricate this year, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. It's a very good story. Very happy for him. So now let's move on to the final game. This was a massive game. Napoli beating AC Milan one nothing. Spalletti's perfect record against Pioli continues. Yeah. And uh, AC Milan, it honestly feels like, Jules, they're just falling off the rails here. Pioli now, this is three years in a row where this has been happening with him. His timing sucks when he goes on winning streaks. Uh, and he is just a guy who I think he's reached his limit at, for Milan. I don't think he can do any better than what he has. I don't care injuries or whatever the excuses are. This is as good as it's going to get under Pioli. And I think now, Milan, I'm not saying to jump the gun now and fire him because obviously that'd be stupid. If you're in the top four race, you keep him because that's where the money's going to be made. But if Milan are going to be serious, they got to start looking at an upgrade in the managerial department because he has shown his limits. He keeps playing Rade Krunic up top. Uh, Brahim D is in the number 10 position. He's not good enough. Uh, Frank Hesse... He keeps selecting them, even though he has these poor performances. Alessio Ramagnoli, it's just, I don't know. The the choices, the it's the same garbage from him week in, week out. He's not changing it up when there's glaring weaknesses there. So for me, Stefano Pioli, a lot of question marks have to start being raised because you can only be fourth, third for so long. you got to start pushing for the championship. And Gazidis, if we look at Gazidis, the guy that hires the managers, uh, his track record of firing coaches, as you can see, held on to Arsene Wenger a bit too long because he kept cementing fourth place. So he he has a big decision ahead of him. But based off his track record, it takes a long time for him to make a decision. So it's going to be interesting to see how the managerial position potentially could change at the end of the season at Milan. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's... Let's talk about the game a little bit too. Yeah. What did we? What did you guys think? I mean, like there was a controversy at the end. That that early goal, that early goal by Elmas, totally sucked the life out of Milan, in my opinion. That destroyed them. That 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 was the game right there. Like this game was, we knew this game was going to be so tight that one goal was going to be the difference, and the fact that it came so early and the. And the man marking too. I, you had Tonali who was on the goal line, kind of on the post. He gets sucked, and Zlatan is not—he's not marking uh, yeah. Almas, who's right in front of him. It was just so—it was so bad the marking on that first goal too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But th- these are the fine details. I, I want to make sure people see under Pioli. This is a Pioli thing. Set pieces are what managers are in charge of, and the, oh, and yeah. the top teams in the world—they're amazing at them. Um, and Pioli, it's it's a weakness in his team. That is inexcusable. Spalletti, if you see the way he's made this huge climb in Serie A, the way his teams have capitalized off his set pieces, he has a, a play for everything, whether it be a free kick, corners. And that's how they won this game. I mean, both teams really didn't do anything at the end of the day. And yeah. that's the difference. Spalletti was just a better manager on the day. I was a bit surprised actually for a top four match at how poor the quality was. Not gonna lie, I think the the environment maybe was a bit too much for both these teams, and it kind of shows. For me, neither team is ready for the big for the big stage at the top to fight with yeah. to fight with Inter and the Juve's of yeah. this world. Well, with that being said, well before uh, before we go, yeah. I want to know your guys' opinion on that disallow goal, the controversy there. 
Ugh. Do you think that should have been called? Uh, and for and for the people that didn't understand why it was well, called, it was because Giroud, who was on the ground, when he made an attempt to go for the ball. So if he literally just stood still and let the defender hit the ball, to Kessie would have counted. But because he made an attempt to go for it, they ruled it offside. What do you guys think about that technicality? Well, he went for it, right? Yeah, he did. But he didn't touch it. it. They VAR reviewed it. Yeah, but know. he still went for it. Yeah, but he's is he moving for it? It's like saying you know the handball. He, he you know he, he his arm wasn't being swung or reached out for the yeah, ball, he, but it still touched it. He and moved his left out, leg. Right? They can say it influenced the defender. That's yeah. kind of the the case yeah. in point as to why they called it. Yeah, because the he moves he moves his leg and the defender thinks he's trying to make a play, so he's got to go over there. So I could see why they called it. I could also see why they're upset because you know he didn't touch it, yeah. but the intent was there. And if we're going by rule book, I mean, look, if this was called, if this was the only reason why this was controversial, because it was at the end of the game. If this was called in the 42 second minute, it wouldn't be that big deal. They would have just got up and kept yeah, going. I agree. What do you think about this disallowed goal, Jules? I think it's it's harsh. Uh, I don't agree with it. I think it's a it's a technicality. I think it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, Giroud for me. Okay. Regardless if he flinches and moves his left leg, I think it was Juan Jesus who went down. He's reacting because the ball is coming to him and not because of what Giroud did. So I think I, it is offside by the rules of the book, but I think it's just a ridiculous technicality. With that being said, that wraps up match day 18. Now it's the last match day, match day 19 before Natale. So... Here we go. It all starts on Tuesday, December 21st. Udinese hosting Salernitana in what will probably be Salernitana's last game in Serie A before they are bankrupt and bumped down to Serie D. So this game doesn't matter. But do we give Salernitana any chance at winning this game? Yes or no? Nope. No. No. They're at Dacia Arena. No. Udinese wins this game. Next game, Genoa hosting Atalanta. Bounce. Atalanta will be up so upset they're going to take it all Ooh, out on Interesting. Jules? Ciao, Shevchenko. Okay. He's going to get, he's gonna gonna, get sacked I'm, after this match. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think Atalanta's reeling. And I think Genoa's going to sneak out a tie oh, here. So I'm going to call a draw. The Roma Kool-Aid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kool-Aid. I called the Roma win and it happened. So <laughs> if you call it enough, it will happen. It will. Um, Next game should be a massacre, but it'll probably be like a 2 nothing win. Juve hosting Cagliari. Ciao, Mazzari. Jules? This match will put you right to sleep, but I think Juve will, will win. No team, oh, no yeah. team's going to want the ball in this match. <laughs> they're, they're literally <laughs> yeah. going to be standing in their ends, no, kicking no, the ball God, back no. and forth to each other. Yeah, and then Juve's going to get a penalty, and they're going to win one nothing. So <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Now we move on to Wednesday. Venezia hosting Lazio. This will be intriguing. This will be a nice one. I'm, I'm going to call a draw on this I'm one. I'm going to call a draw too. Venezia is at home. That's been a solid fortress for them. So I'm going to call a draw as well, Giuliano. Lazio for me, just because Chiro should be coming back uh, nice and fresh for that match. All right. So yeah, yeah, next game, Sassuolo hosting Bologna. This is an interesting match too. Uh, this is uh, Yeah, this is good. I think... Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take. Where are they playing in? They're playing uh, Sassuolo. They're playing at Mape Stadium. 
Nah, I don't know, guys. I I'm just gonna be different. Say Bologna. I believe in Sassuolo. Sassuolo for me. Giuliano. Yeah, yeah Sassuolo for me too. All right. All right, boys. Next game. Can Jose Mourinho make it three in a row? Roma hosting Sampdoria at the Stadio Olimpico. Roma win for me. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm Roma win there, guys. I like to see. I like to see them. I don't want to see them win so beautifully. Not beautifully, but I don't want to see a big win uh, today only to or yesterday only to uh, take uh, three steps back on Sampdoria. Yeah, Giuliano. Yeah. Roma should win. All right. Next game, Hellas Verona hosting Fiorentina. This is a this is another good match. Yeah, but I I, 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 I probably I'll probably uh, I'll call it neither a draw or a Fiorentina win. Giuliano, I'm tempted to lean towards Hellas because they've been on a. Uh, I think they're due for a win, so I'm gonna say Hellas Verona for me. I agree. I'm gonna say they are. I'm gonna say they are at home. They are. I'm gonna home. say Hellas Verona bounce back here. Giovanni Simeone, two goals. It's gonna be a two nothing win. We're right. gonna keep Laovic off the score sheet. Next game, Inter hosting Torino. Is it going to be another massacre, Jules? No, because this is going to be against one of the better defensive teams in the league. Yeah, uh, I got it. It's going to be an Inter win, but it's going to be tight. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, tight. I guess Inter win, but not by much. Yeah, I think they'll win. I don't, they're definitely not going to lose because Torino, they can't beat Inter. They're not going to go out to expose themselves. So I'm going to say, yeah, it's going to be like a 1-0. 1-0 win, penalty shot. There we go. And is Chalinogu going to take it, or is Martinez going to take it? I hope it? so. I don't want to see Lautaro at the penalty spot ever again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Second last game, Napoli hosting Spezia. What do we think here? Easy win. Uh, Napoli win. Easily win, Napoli. Yeah, easy Napoli win. And finally, Empoli. Nick's Empoli are hosting AC Milan. Uh, I think this is where it comes to an end. For Empoli? For Empoli, yeah. This is, I don't know. I don't know, Nick. You were giving them, you were giving them respect, and now you're backing I mean, it up. I, I mean, if they okay, I'll tell you this. Okay, let me tell you this. If Ampoli wins, if Ampoli wins on Milan, I will personally buy an Ampoli shirt and wear it <laughs> and put it on the Tifosi Football Radio, saying I shouldn't bet on Ampoli. <laughs> okay. Well, Ampoli's claimed a few scalps this season yeah, already. Yeah. I think they're gonna draw this game. I think, think this so. is where, yeah, I think the, I think there's, Milan are so far off the rails that they're going to drop points in this game as well. Okay. No, Jules? I kind of see the slide happening. I mean, continuing for Milan too, I don't, I don't know. I don't, the faith for me and Pioli, it's gone. The player selection and the injuries and I think Empoli, yeah. they go, <clears throat> they go to get points from this game. I really do. I think they, I, I think, think so they too. pull it off. Okay. That they win? I don't know if it's going to be a win, but they're going to get points. A point yeah. or points. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And that uh, that basically wraps up no, no, match not... day 19. Oh, now, yeah. Nick, I know you got a question for okay, us. Okay, guys, here's a question. So I remember we used to do this. Uh, I was intrigued to say that. Now that I would say the Christmas break, would you say we're halfway through? Yeah, we're yeah, halfway yeah. through. Okay, so give me both of you guys quickly because I think we have some time here if I'm not correct. Give me your top four, and then and then and give me your top four, and then Christian, okay. I want you because you're me and you are Roma fans. I want your top four with where Roma's gonna place, and give me your bottom three. Jules, we'll start with you. Go. You want me to start top four? Okay. Inter, Napoli, Milan, Juve. Well, what's your bottom three, Jules? Ah, uh, Salernitana definitely. Cagliari. Well, Sonny Tyler's going to be done. They're, they're done. Not they're play. done. They're not even going to play. But uh, I guess it'll be two of them going down this year. 
so Kaleri and then uh, I think I had Spezia heading into relegation. But you know what? You know what? I'm going to throw Spezia in that relegation as opposed okay. to Genoa. You think right, Genoa yeah. sticks out, eh? Right, yeah. yeah. I'm going to stick with my Spezia prediction from the beginning of the year. Top four, okay? Inter, Napoli, Juve, Roma. Oh, top four. Oh, ho. <laughs> Oh. Again with the oh, disrespect to Milan. Holy! <laughs> I believe right, this guy. Your, one second your... they're gonna finish seventh, and now they're gonna finish fourth. Holy <laughs> smokes! Uh, give me your. Uh, I guess your bottom two, because if the fate is sealed for Salernitana, I guess we just need the two. I guess. Yeah, currently stand no chance, and uh, I'd like to see Genoa, but. Uh, it's. I like to see Genoa stay up, but uh, I think Genoa's going down. Okay. How about yourself? Okay, so for my top four, I got Inter, and I got Inter at least by February, having a decent gap between them and second place. Okay. Okay. Uh, second place, I actually see uh, Napoli. Uh, fourth, I actually I'm okay with Atalanta being third place. Okay. Because I think they still have it, what they have to do in Syria, the way they play. Uh, fourth, I see Juve. Uh, my bottom, uh, I think, uh, well, Salonitana is done. I'm probably going to have to go with uh, Cagliari going down. Yeah. <clears throat> and out of the three that I had going down uh, for the last place was Genoa, Spezia, and Venezia. Yeah, but I think uh, Genoa will do just enough. I could see it here. They're not that far behind Spezia. I think Spezia's toast this year. I got some questions too because I wanted to do okay. this because it was halfway. So we'll be quick. We'll have some fun. Okay. I want to know three players. I want to know who you guys have for the best player of the City S season so far. I want to know if they're not Italian, who the best Italian player is, and I want to know who the best signing. Has been so far this season. Whoever wants to go best, first. Uh, go. I think a best Italian uh, player. I'd say Scamacca. I think he's. Uh, I think he's really earned it for uh, offensive force. The best signing, eh? I think before. I think. I well, the non-Italian. I think before Oshim, uh, Victor Osiman went down. I think he was uh, poised for a great season. The best signing of this season mm-hmm. is what I'll call the steal of the season, and it has been Eden Zeko. Okay. That's my best steal of the season. Best Italian player. If you didn't get hurt, I would have said Lorenzo Pellegrini, hands down. Okay. Uh, he's been lights out. But uh, the two players for me that have been lights out, Italian, have been Fratesi on Sassuolo and Pobega on Torino. Okay. How about yourself? And they've been the best Italians. I mean, the best player in the City App period. Uh, they've been the best Italians. So who's been the best player in City A period? Dusan Vlahovic. Nice. All right. For me, signing of the season, Hakan Kalinoglu. Best signing period. He's been phenomenal. For me, best Italian so far has to go, believe it or not, Antonio Candreva for me. Okay. <laughs> I think, All right. I for think a second there, I thought you were going to say lasagna. <laughs> he's, he's the worst. But... uh. Yeah, for me, Antonio Candreva has been phenomenal and uh, for the Italian. But the the best player all season, I agree, has been uh, probably Dusan Vlahovic. He's been just... He's been so consistent. The numbers he's putting up, it's ridiculous as a striker. 
No, it really is. We haven't seen that since the Christian Vieri, uh, days. Ronaldo days. Yeah. Like we haven't seen numbers like this before. So I would say that. So I'll, I'll ask my question then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since it's in the interest of fun. And obviously we know what position I'm going for now. <laughs> who has been the best goalkeeper this season and who has been the worst? There's a lot of candidates for the worst. <laughs> okay, for worst goalkeeper, probably it's a bit of a tie, but I'm going to say Sidigu has been pretty bad. Yeah, I would say that. So for me, he's the worst, maybe next to... Uh, maybe next to Belich, but Belich, he gets peppered every... That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Belich gets destroyed every game, but... Okay. But Sidigu, for what he stands for, a third national goalkeeper, you know, he's third in the pecking order and all this. For me, that's that's why he should be better. So for me, he's the, the worst in the league. Best okay. goalkeeper in the league. Right now, if he had a full first half of the season, I'd say Sergio Romero, but he hasn't, so yeah. I can't say him. Uh, it will actually be Ospina, because if it wasn't for Ospina, I don't think Napoli are sitting where they are right now. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I'll go. I think uh, I think the worst probably is uh yeah, I would say also um Sidigu. Just because, you know, at one point he was pretty much what? Not even third in Italian. He was the second in command at one point, like for the longest time. And uh I did have Ospina on my list, but I'll try and uh I'll try and um I'll try and go with something different. You know what? I I actually don't mind. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, I I watched him play, and I just think he's playing on a poor team, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't give him justice. Uh, Cranio actually impresses me very much, and I think that oh. if, I I really think if he was on a different team, he would excel. I have Alessio Cranio as my worst goalkeeper this season. <laughs> That's because uh, look, I'm gonna tell you if he's on a different team, if he you had a Roma different fans are score, finicky, man. If, what do you mean? Look, what do you mean, Finicky? Finicky, look at the, Finicky look at, we're okay. We're happy. We're we we're happy today. This guy's been this guy's been so garbage that he's lost his starting position in between the sticks. He's yeah, not the look, starter look, game look, in a game. Who's in, look who's in front of him. I I would say Sidigu's got worse off in front of him than Cranio. Yeah, but I mean he he I mean Sirigu isn't even making like basic routine saves. I mean, at least, at least, at least with Grano, I mean, at least he, he's he's he does so much, and then he just gets like, what's the point, right? Grano has had so many blunders this season that I'm so happy we didn't splash that cash to buy him. Well, really you know, you talking about Roma, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Patricio didn't really come in with uh, you know guns blazing either, so. Well, he's had some. He's. He's been solid. He's been the best goalkeeper we've had in a long, long, yeah, long time. So Becker. That's not saying Becker. much, though. Yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, but okay. I mean, come on. Like, I, I saw, I see Cano play. He doesn't. He's not terrible. I don't think he's that bad. I just think what he's got in front of him is terrible. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I, I think. I think. I, I know a lot of goalkeepers that if they have a solid defensive in front of them. That defense will make the keeper look a lot better than what the goalie is. I've seen I've seen goalies be mediocre, and because and because the the defense is amazing, 
they just elevate the keeper status that much more. But when the defense is horrible, then the keeper goes along with it, right in a pile of trash. But what the keeper is is not good, but the defense is good. The keeper is already part of the great defensive masterpiece of the team, and I think that's unfair to Cranio. Okay, that's a good point. Okay, I'll 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 I'll, I'll battle you on that. <laughs> I'll battle you on that. Okay. I think I think there's a team that has the equivalent defense uh, as Alessio Cranio has. I think they're a little bit better, and that is the team that beat them for nothing. This and that's Udinese, and I think Marco Silvestri doesn't have much, a much better defense in front of him than Alessio Cranio. There's not it's not a huge gulf, and Marco Silvestri is a big reason. Why Udinese are sitting 14th place? Okay, I don't. Think, I don't think Alessio Cragno can carry a team the way Marco Silvestri has carried so, Udinese. So, in in that respect, Jules Handanovic. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So he, he's a cameraman. He's a, he's cameraman. a cameraman. But he's, not, why, he's nowhere near best goalkeeper. No, nowhere but, near. I mean, he's not exactly the greatest, but he's not the like. No. But I mean, I would put him. I mean. If he, if there were, if they didn't, have, if if Handanovic without the backline of Inter is garbage. I think yeah. he's garbage with the backline of Inter still. Yeah, but because because Inter's playing the way they are, and Handanovic can make a one amazing save every so often, and he's not getting peppered with shots. You pepper Handanovic with shots and have the same defense that Cranio has. We'll see who's. Uh, we'll see how long Handanovic lasts. Okay. Okay. Okay, well said. Well said. <laughs> well, I'll give you mine before we wrap All it up. All right, go ahead. I, I'm very passionate about the goalkeeper position. So, worst goalkeeper for me, like I said, has been Alessio Cragno. No doubt about it, in my opinion. Um, you would have to argue that Dave, that Ospina is one of the best in Serie A. But for me, there is a goalkeeper that has been rock solid, game in, Game out. This team has nothing in front of them, and they don't get blown out, and they're punching way above their weight because of this goalkeeper. And it's your team, Nick. It's Empoli. <laughs> Got me, Empoli. Guglielmo Vicario has been the best goalkeeper in Serie A. Eh. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. I'm okay with that? that. I'm okay with that. I like I like a nice Cinderella story. I like I mean, even in in the Coppa Italia, we got a we got a we got a Pugliese team in there. That was the only one left in Serie B in there. It's not the Pugliese team I want, but it's in there. Oh, your Pugliese team's going nowhere. Oh, my, real... my, mine's gonna be bankrupt again for the seventh time. <laughs> There's only one Pugliese team. Yeah. In Puglia, and that's Body. Don't forget it. All right. All right. All right. So. That was a fun debate. Yeah, it was a fight. It was okay. But then again, we're okay because it's 4-1 to one for Roma. So who cares? We're taking everything. <laughs> we're taking everything. And Juve's going to be relegated too. You'll see. Oh, my God. You know what, guys? If Roma makes top four, Jesus Christ. I'm going to be scared for Champions League. Oh, stop. <laughs> You can't go from Conference League to Champions League in one year and expect to, you know, to take it by storm. Bodo Glimped. Bodo Glimp. <laughs> Bodo Glimp. You guys, you just got to keep believing. Anyways. Okay. That wraps up today's podcast. Thanks always for listening. 
like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Radio Tifosi, follow us uh, on Instagram, Tifosi underscore football underscore radio. And send us an email with some questions. Like we're all like that's this is what we love. We love questions so we can go back and forth. Um, you can see how different we think. We may me and Nick may be Roma fans. But we're from two different worlds when it comes to Roma. Um, and Giuliano <laughs> Giuliano's on, on another planet by himself. So yeah, so, he's he's uh, on that kingdom with all the gold and uh, uh, you know. I'm, I'm Christian, with Jeff. Christian thinks he's making it to that golden era, and I'm still sitting there at the bottom thinking, oh, it's a big cloud. It's a big mountain. I'm with Musk and Bezos on Mars, baby. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When Roma wins the Scudetto again, and they will, it's going to be bigger than any Scudetto Inter's ever won. Oh, my God. They're... Well, Roma's not winning a Scudetto anytime soon. <laughs> So, until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao, ciao. Buona notte. Buona notte. Buona notte. Ciao.